What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. This is the WWE Fastlane 2018 post-show, where we will be recapping and reviewing our thoughts on what just happened on the pay-per-view. It ended about uh, half an hour ago or so, so it's pretty fresh in our minds, and we're going to talk about everything from start to finish, what we liked, what we didn't like, and all the other stuff in between there. And who is we? Well, I'm your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me, if you are reading the comment section, or the description, that's what it is, you should see by the hashtag, it is Robert DeFelice. Yo, yo, we're officially on the road to WrestleMania, and we have more questions than answers. And Fastlane is over with, so now we can go over to the slow lane, where everything comes to a screeching halt, and drags its ass out for five weeks. <laughs> Thankfully, that's not necessarily the case. So we're going to get some more information on Raw, and we're going to get some more information on SmackDown. And they did a couple things tonight that I thought were pretty interesting. Some of them called ahead of time. Some of them I actually thought, you know what? Maybe that's going to be a little bit different than I expected. So let's start things first with the pre-show, the way that we should. That's the first thing of the night. Mostly just recap stuff. Nothing really to report here. Uh, the New Day gave Charlie Caruso a pancake for the road. I thought that that was kind of funny. Well, I'll also say the New Day had a great promo before giving Charlie the pancake for the road. Like the New Day is really bringing it with the promos and the seriousness with this Uso feud, and I really enjoyed that promo. Other than that, um, Booker T was gold on the microphone while he was talking about all the matches specifically the main event how everybody was really pushing but the fans really need aj versus shinsuke and booker kind of looked at the panel and was like who cares what the fans want this is about the superstars trying to make it to wrestlemania the fans will get what they get you know (laughs) and i i just i appreciated that and also, which I guess we'll get into more when we cover the first match, but they really did question whether or not Shinsuke was over enough to stop the Rusev Day chance, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that's something we need to pick up in a minute. Uh, but first, before that, we actually had just a random match thrown onto the pre-show, which before even saying what it is, in case somebody's listening to this without having checked out the pay-per-view or something like that, you can't not announce anything on a pre-show having had multiple years of pre-shows where there is a stigma for it that you assume a pre-show isn't going to matter. But if you don't announce anything ahead of time, then you go, wow, this really isn't going to matter. And then you announce something at the last minute and it is a six man tag team match between people that have had no interaction with each other whatsoever over the past couple of weeks some of them not even been on TV at all and assume that people are going to give a shit. And it's unfortunate because the people that were involved in this, I like all of them except for one. Uh, Ty Dillinger and Brizongo were up against Chad Gable, Shelton Benjamin, and the one that I consider the outlier, Mojo Rawley. To be fair, I don't think that Mojo Rawley is like terrible or anything like that, but I, he doesn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree. I I did think that if you're going to put three guys together, Mojo, Benjamin, and Gable, because they do have real athlete, athlete and athletic backgrounds, I thought they could be a good pairing if Mojo can tone down the hype stuff a little bit. Yeah, he's got to change that. Well, I mean, before they even did anything like that, just the idea that they had given him that heel gimmick, he can't do that whole run to the ring with that energetic promo uh, music. He's like a financial graduate, isn't he, from whatever university he went to? He could incorporate some of that into his character and really tone it down. That's what he needs to do. Well, this was one of those scenarios where the match didn't matter. There was no setup to it. And the people, admittedly, even though I like them, they're not the ones that are going to get the biggest pops out of the arena. So, Although, uh, you got to admit, the crowd was going crazy. I don't know if you had the volume up. For that one, but the crowd was just really into this match for whatever reason. They had more fun than I thought that they were going to. I'll give them that, yeah. And I think that a good reason for that was how it started with Chad Gable doing that whole, like, 
go ahead i'll give you the free the first shot kind of thing yeah. and tyler breeze just being like all right i guess i'll like ride you like a fucking pony or something <laughs> like that type of stuff can get the crowd to be like all right i'm having a little bit of fun here instead of just being like oh what are these jabronis up to you know that kind of a thing but it ended up being just one of those things where if you didn't see it you didn't miss anything you know if you're a fan of botchamania you're gonna know that a lot of moves you could clearly tell they were missed by a mile, specifically two drop kicks, one from Breeze and one from Dango, and the people still sold it like, you know, it was a huge impact. And I, little things like that kind of tweak me when it's that blatant. Well, that was like a theme for tonight was botching. Yeah, very weird. One match in particular, I'll point it out when we get to it a little bit down the line, but. Not every match, not every move, not something like that, but there was enough where it was just kind of like, man, they're getting, they're getting a little sloppy tonight. And um, I guess you could constitute that sloppy booking, at the very least, when it comes to Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Oh, by the way, Dillinger pinned uh, Raleigh, I think, for the win. Um, Dillinger did pin Raleigh, in fact. One more thing, Z- uh, Ziggler was on the social media lounge, and... Sam Roberts was on the panel tonight, and he yeah. a- asked the question, do you think this is your last shot at the WWF championship? And, and Ziggler just says, well, Sam, I'm not that old. Yeah. And it's just very funny. Did you see his Twitter promos? I did. And, you know, I, I'm really into it. And obviously, I'm a huge fan of Ziggler. One one week when we're not doing a bunch of pay-per-views, we got to have like a Ziggler roundtable with, you know, me, you, Callum, and some other people. But I'm a huge fan of Ziggler. He could be a thing. This is just another, you know, obviously they're not going to do anything with him. They just threw him in this match because they needed a guy to, you know, bump around and make shit look good. But yeah, he cuts great promos, especially in an internet setting. And I just think, he can still be tapped into because he still has so much potential. Well, we'll definitely address something with him and his future. Cause I have a big question as far as that's concerned, but one thing uh, to, that we need to address here, the Shinsuke Nakamura Rusev thing that was weird. And it was exactly what I was expecting it to be. Rusev and Nakamura was not a pairing that I thought made any sense. And right off the bat, match starts and you hear Nakamura let's go Rusev Nakamura let's go Rusev and it's like alright yeah half the crowd doesn't support the guy that's gonna head into Wrestlemania challenge with his Royal Rumble shot because you put him up against a guy that is over despite being a heel and again I don't think Rusev is over I just think the Rusev day thing is over because it's fun to chant and you know nakamura the the match was fine it went on way too long for my taste for a guy who you know won the royal rumble and is going to go to wrestlemania yeah why was this so competitive because every match has to be now because and i'll talk about that in the randy bobby match but people have gotten so used to Everything has to be super competitive and super, you know, back and forth. And what a great match. And it didn't need to be that here, but that's what we got. And it was fine. Aiden English tried to rap in the beginning. It was very funny. They're, they're good comedy guys. I see Rusev either winning the Andre or if they do the cluster ladder, he'll be in that. Or I'm thinking he's just in the Andre, but... I'm starting to think he doesn't win it either. I don't know. That's that's something that's very kind of... You think he's kind of like a Mizdow? Yeah. Like, that they look at this and they go, wow, you're selling a lot of merchandise. That's cool. And then he goes, can I get a push out of it? And they're like, uh... <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, they're chanting for you, but don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get rid of that real quick. It's like, look, we'd have to shuffle a lot around... And then they're like, well, really? I mean, you could just kind of, like, have me win a couple matches. Yeah, but, like, we'd have to use whiteout on those sheets of paper. I don't know, Rusev. How about you, like, you know, you don't really win anything for the next six months. (laughs) It's like, what? And I asked this question in the group chat, but really, why isn't Lana 
part of this package. We've long since dispatched the idea that she's going to do anything in the women's division. Yeah. Why isn't she just with her husband? That's something that I'm really curious about, too, because they should have her out. Because there's no reason for her not to be out. If they don't want her to get cheered because of the fact that Rusev gets cheered, well, you're still continuing to keep Rusev a heel. So it doesn't matter. You like you're ignoring it and you can't ignore it for only one half of it. And if like the Aiden English thing was like, well, we don't really want Aiden English to get over here. We want Rusev to get over. And that's why we don't want Lana. Well, then Aiden English is getting the same kind of response because he's next to Rusev anyway. So just bring her, bring her into the mix. She's not doing anything else to distract her. It's not like that Tamina thing's going to go anywhere. Tamina's injured. She doesn't have anybody to fight on SmackDown, and she isn't fighting anybody. Have her come out. What the hell? Why not? You're paying her, you know? And, I mean, they're together on the Mixed Match Challenge. They're having a ball doing that. You know, just just let them do their thing. If you're going to just let them be fun characters anyway, just let them do their thing together, you know? Yeah, it's very strange. I don't quite understand that, but I don't understand why this was a competitive match either, like we were saying. Not that I want it to be a, a squash, but it really, like... Rusev is not the same undefeated monster kind of character that he was when he first came into WWE. He just isn't. Right now, he needs to work his way up a little bit more to get to the spot where if he won the mid-card title, he would look like he was elevating it. He doesn't look like at that spot right now. He can be, you know, pretty easily. Just a couple of wins here and there. But right now, he is not even in that mid-card level quite yet. I I don't know, dude. These mid-card titles are really starting to look like almost secondary world championships. Right. That's what I mean, though. Like, he is not at that level to be that uh, an upper mid-card type of champion. Like, when he beat Kalisto, like, he was the perfect fit for that era of the U.S. title. A U.S. title that is currently, after tonight, held by Randy Orton? Like, I can't see Rusev, you know bringing anything to that title other than a demotion. Yeah, that would make the title look worse. So by proxy, Shinsuke Nakamura just won the Royal Rumble. Only, I think it's like 27 men or something have won that. Or actually might be even less than that. Because like Hogan won it three times, Austin won it three times, or four times or whatever the hell he won it. Uh, You know, with all the multiple different wins and stuff like that, there hasn't been 30 people that have won it. So Nakamura is in a really small group of people. And out of all those people, almost all of them ended up being Hall of Famers. For him to go into his first WrestleMania, and he's fighting for the WWE Championship, and he's most likely going to win it, and they didn't give him anything to do this past month, really. And he's up against a guy who's going to get cheered in front of him, who's two spots lower on the card than he is. And that guy's going to put up a fight. It's supposed to, I guess, make Rusev look better. All it does is make Nakamura look worse. You know? For sure. So it's disappointing to see, but they did make the right call with Nakamura winning, at the very least. You know, if that if he would have lost that, that would have been like, Jesus, what are you doing? Nakamura is the 24th man to win the Royal Rumble. I just 24th? The math my, 24th, yeah, I did the math in my head. So yeah, that's a small group of people after all those years. And, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, they need to do something to make me care more about this Nakamura feud because we've talked about this before. They're resting on the laurels of the IWC geeking out over a new Japan match that we've already seen. And that's what's so weird because they bring these Sam Roberts, you know, Peter Rosenberg guys on there and they're supposed to be the voice of the internet. Right. And they kept going on. And on about how this match needs to happen for the WWE Universe. Can you imagine, like, saying, well, Austin and Rock need to fight not for the title, but because they need to fight for the people. The fans want to see Austin and Rock. Or, like, I don't know, Shawn Michaels and Taker. Like, they're literally just saying this needs to happen because the fans will mark out. In New Orleans. Yeah. And they're doing that with a lot of stuff, too. Like, they kept talking about 
You know, and the internet's going crazy about the Usos and the New Day. It's like, okay, yes, and that's true, but also, who cares? These are still people fighting for prizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why not try to make it... You can hint at it, obviously. And you can say stuff like, Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles is one of those dream matches you don't get to see all that often. And, you know, even with the John Cena thing, they're really playing on the smarkiness and the idea of, well, we know that we can all read online what the proposed plans are, but John really doesn't have a proposed idea. You know, mm-hmm. like, Meltzer hasn't predicted anything for Cena, so we have no idea what John Cena's projected path to the, on the road to WrestleMania is. And it's it's really weird. Like, they just can't be like, yo, Shinsuke won the Rumble? AJ's the champion. They're great athletes, and they're going to, you know, fight to see who's the best. It's, no, the fans. I think it's because they want to hit home that whole idea of you guys want this. We're giving it to you. Please don't bitch and complain about the Brock thing. But but you know what? Even with the Brock thing, like they are they are just feeding so yeah. much into the Internet. And well, the Internet knows that Lesnar's not there and they finally got them to cheer Roman by having Roman go. Fuck Brock. And we could talk about that on the show, by the way, because they actually covered Reigns and Lesnar on the SmackDown show. And uh, Ronda Rousey and that whole thing. Fucking weird, man. I was just like, all right, let's take uh, five minutes out of our schedule to be like, and this is happening on Monday Night Raw. It's just like, I get it. I understand why. The Ronda Rousey thing is their top priority right now, essentially, but it's, uh, it's a little bit annoying sometimes. Especially because it's like, if I don't watch Monday Night Raw and all I did was watch is SmackDown, I don't care what's happening on Monday Night Raw. If I do watch Monday Night Raw, I already fucking saw this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hate the recaps. I hate them so much. Hey, you know, um, one thing that's going to suck about the unified pay-per-views is a lot of guys are going to lose chances to make an impact. Like, you won't see even a pre-show match with Ty Dillinger and Brizango and, yeah. like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really hard for guys like that. It's like you take the good with the bad. It's going to be bad that those people don't get that kind of an opportunity, but it's going to be good that we don't get matches like uh, we're not going to talk about right now, but that um, the women's tag match. Yeah. Like that. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, First, before that was the United States championship match between Bobby Roode and Randy Orton. And surprise, surprise, Randy Orton wins the title here. So I had mentioned this before in the pre-show, in the pre-show, in the uh, predictions, that the way that I saw it, the United States title match and the SmackDown tag title match, one of them could end in a no contest. One of them could end in a title change. And I couldn't quite decide on which one I thought would go with what. And the more I thought about it, the more I kept going, well, all right, if one of them has a title change, I can imagine the New Day winning more than Randy Orton. And at the same time, I could imagine the Bludgeon Brothers attacking more then I could think of Jinder Mahal attacking, but they've both kind of done that. And I was like, it's really just you flip a coin kind of. So I was actually legitimately a little bit surprised that Randy Orton won the title here and he won it clean. There wasn't yeah. distraction beforehand that led to it or a heel turn. He just won the title. And that was kind of cool. I like, I liked the match enough, but before we got started, you mentioned something, and when the, the more that I thought about it, the more I kind of agreed. Even though I liked the match enough, I wasn't wowed. And I think that's a huge problem. Like, I I was so used to guys with this kind of build, you know, main eventing things, and growing up, that was the majority of what you watched and why you watched. And this match was so traditional that a lot of people were texting me like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, wow, have we really gotten that far into the, you know, high spot era that like people can't do a Randy Orton match? I guess not. It was a very weird. 
I, I did like that only one RKO was hit. No glorious DDTs were hit. They really made the finisher count. I liked this match a lot because it was a traditional style match, and you don't see a lot of those. You could tell the people got bored because midway through they started chanting for Byron Saxton. Really oh, I didn't hear that. Kind of got under my skin. Like, because it was a good match, especially for what it was. Now, Bobby Roode is an idiot because, yeah, anyone who wrestles Randy Orton knows you do not attempt to jump at this man. (laughs) He will catch you in an RKO, and that's exactly what happened here. Bobby Roode went for his signature blockbuster from the middle rope, and Randy caught him like he was Christian in 2011 and dropped him with the RKO for the clean pin. Now, the surprising thing here is they aired the video package on the pre-show. I said, huh, no Mahal in that package. Five seconds later, Mahal comes out to the panel and says, why wasn't I in that package? I beat Randy. (laughs) I beat Bobby. Why am I not in this match? And I'm wondering, well, what the fuck? And he even says, and I'll probably be on commentary for this. Nothing. So, after the match, and maybe you want to take it from here, Tony? Well, that leads to what kind of was a little bit of what the predictions were, where at some point, Jinder Mahal needed to make an appearance. So, thankfully, he did. He kind of, you know, interferes, even though he interferes after it doesn't really matter anymore. And then people start going nuts. I start getting a bunch of emails, everybody going, Bobby Roode just turned heel. He didn't just turn heel. (laughs) Don't worry about it. There's a chance maybe he turns heel, but him fighting Orton after the matter when everything's all getting chaotic, that's more of a statement of just frustration and stuff than it is turning heel. And but I think they made it clear between the pre-show and the aftermath of the match that the one they're going to turn will be Bobby. I hope so. Because I I want both Rude and Orton to turn heel this year. And I think that we've got a lot of matches that we can get out of both of those being heel. And that kind of applies in a couple different ways. Like Randy Orton to me, I think he works as a baby face because he's been there long enough that people cheer him just because he's a legacy character at this point. No pun intended. Uh, But Bobby Roode, he doesn't work as a baby face to me. So if you have to push one, aside and keep one of them babyface for right now it's orton rude if he turns i don't think it happened right now i think we're gonna get one of those slow kind of i guess a little bit on like the dolph ziggler side a little bit on the uh kind of the mickey james side a little bit where this might be the impetus for that heel turn, but we're going to see him be a tweener these next couple of weeks. And I'm assuming we're getting Randy Orton as the baby face, Jenner Mahal as the heel, Bobby Roode as the tweener. I hope they don't do that for the simple fact of literally the raw counterpart to this match is the Intercontinental title being defended in a three-way. Do not do the tit-for-tat brand thing i hate when they do that it just like it says we have no originality we're just doing the exact same thing on the other brands well there's a possibility that that triple threat for the raw uh intercontinental title might turn into that fatal five-way remember (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. no you know what i'm gonna say no because they've done enough to where i think braun is separated from that. I think Elias is separated from that. I hope they don't conjoin them because we don't need that. I don't think that we're getting Strom and Elias in a separate match, though. So that's where it kind of comes into play. I think if Strowman does anything, I think Strowman's winning the Dre. That's definitely a possibility. And this is something we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks a little bit, but this card is shaping up to be triple threat, triple threat, triple threat, fatal four way, fatal five way, like almost no singles matches, which yeah, is kind of crazy. Get everybody on the card WrestleMania style. Yep. So if we do get a triple threat, 
Rude, Orton, Jinder Mahal. Could be worse. You know. It's not going to be the most exciting thing in the world, but I'll take it. Hold on. And uh, the downside for that kind of a thing, though, this is where I, I get a little problematic when it comes to the triple th- threat thing. So now I've already seen Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton. I've already seen Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. God knows how many times. And Bobby Roode versus Jinder Mahal uh, twice, three times, something like that. So there's nothing on the next five weeks that I think that's going to happen that's going to make me really want to tune into this more than if they would have just told me WrestleMania is tomorrow. For this thing, at least. You know, other matches, definitely. But, like, the United States title thing, I don't know if they're really going to add any more elements to it. Really, and I think we're we're gonna have to talk about that main event eventually. But I really think the U.S. title gets the what is now seemingly a tradition clusterfuck ladder match, and it'll be for the U.S. title, and it'll be um, these three guys, you know, Ziggler for sure, Corbin for sure, and maybe Rusev. Possibility, because. I, I just don't see them taking two guys from the main event of Fastlane and sticking them in the pre-show battle royal. I could be wrong. And I, I just definitely don't see them not doing a ladder match. As weird as it seems, I've gotten so used to the wrestling the ladder match again. Um. The good thing about when we start talking about like uh, setting some up for cards, a WrestleMania card, you've got that sort of need to be like, all right, we need to get put everybody on the card. When you get to the normal B level kind of things, you're going to be able to skip past a lot of different people. And that sucks for the TV shows because the TV shows are going to look weaker because then we're going to be like, oh, we have this match between these people. Like, you know, uh, say... Uh, let's bring up like you, you brought up like Ty Dillinger earlier I like Ty Dillinger I think that he doesn't get enough credit and when he doesn't show up on any of the pay-per-views and then he comes out to wrestle people are going to be like who's this dude you know what I mean but the good side and we mentioned this a little bit earlier you're not going to get matches like the Becky Lynch Naomi versus Carmella and Italia match because shit was that match pointless and, and bad too I feel like we sometimes get on the women's matches i'm gonna be honest here yes the women are doing great things this was absolutely my food break this was absolutely the the time i chose to go get food and stuff like that unfortunately since they aired two monday night raw vignettes before this i came back and they were still only on the entrances for this (laughs) for this match and this match was clunky as all hell well, the thing is, even if you would have gone and gotten your food, it wouldn't have been because it's the women's match. It's because this had the literally the worst build out of any match on the card other than the six-man tag match. The six-man tag match, that was that was just, hey, this match is happening. That There's nothing other than that. They had a backstage thing where they were like, they bumped into each other backstage. That was it. And by the way, if you didn't know, the Fashion Files are on .com, which is why we didn't see the build-up for this match, because who really goes out of their way to check WWE.com for videos anymore? Yeah, and you have to click on it at a certain time of day to get that, where it gets pushed down further if you don't. and You know, it's just not worth the time and the effort to get invested in it. But they didn't put any effort into this women's tag team match. Nothing was on the line. Nothing mattered. It had no effect on anything. We know that it's not going to have an effect on anything going forward. By the end of the night, mm-hmm. they proved that. So, it, why? It served a purpose. They put Carmella over. Because. Well, shit, won. she was the only one who wasn't botching all over the place tonight. Like, Yeah, she showed a lot of intensity. That, I will say about this match. She was very intense. It looked like they were trying to start to give her some edge because they're getting ready to run with her eventual cash in. But yeah, the other three women, um, uh, there's a lot of spots where I could just point out how it, 
was just awkward. Like the movements were awkward, mm-hmm. you know? It reminded me of something that we would have seen in the live shows of NXT where like they're not used to a lot of these things yet. It's not second nature. And these people are, I mean, all four of them have different levels of talent for different things. And all four of them have every right to be there. They're like, there's no question in that to me. Like out of all of them, Carmella is the one that's the, the least kind of, um, polished. Yeah. Polish is a good word for it. Natty knows what she's doing. Naomi has known what she's doing for a long fucking time. And they just finally started pushing her two years ago. And Becky Lynch, she's been great, you know, pretty much from the start. So I would have thought, if anything, that Carmella would have been the one that was botching things. And when she first started it off and she dropped her hat and kicked it out of the way, it was like, that's kind of funny, you know, whatever. But this thing with, like, Naomi and Natalia getting tossed out of the ring... That was so weird. What the fuck was going on with that? Like, neither of them were like, do do I go out? Do I go out this side or do I go out that side? All right, well, are you throwing me or am I throwing myself out? And it was just kind of like, you do this all the time. What's going on? Like, she threw her to the, I guess that would be the western side of the ring. And then she's like, no, wait. Over here. And then it was just. Fucking clunky, man. Yeah. Naomi botched a move she does all the time, which oh, that is kick? like Cody Rhodes. Yeah, the Cody Rhodes little disaster kick thing, and that was awkward. Um, I don't know, man. There was a lot of just miscommunication. Let me say this: it reminded me. You can get sucked in a lot with the athleticism. This match reminded me that these women are very human. You know, like, there's a lot of just <laughs> genuine human error that would come from a performance. Like yeah. These. And let me be perfectly honest for everybody that uh, they might be new to this podcast. Anytime that we're criticizing these people, it's not that we're saying we could do it better. Because I sure as fuck cannot. It's just a matter of, you know, if you go to a restaurant and you order a steak and it's, you order, I order my steak medium well. If you cook it well done, you overcooked my steak. And I if you steak medium rare, and if I got a well done steak, I would raise hell. Yeah, the last well done steak that I got, I sent it back afterward, and then they gave me like half of my bill off or something like that. I can't remember, but um, that that's something where I don't, I'm not a professional chef, but I know that you overcooked my steak if I said medium well and it's burnt. Like that's just that's kind of the what it is, and you can be critical of something without being able to do it yourself. If I went to a mechanic and I said, "Look, my tire needs to get replaced because it's got a leak in it," and they come back and they go, "Yeah, we're missing a tire," then I go, "Yeah, that's fucking worse," and they go, "Well, you're a mechanic, you can fucking do better," and then I'll be like, "Well, I probably could at that point," but you know what I mean? Like, is that's the type of thing where it doesn't have to be that kind of a scenario. And for this, like, yeah, I could not do anything that they were doing in this ring. I would be terrible as a, a an in-ring performer. But that doesn't mean I can't point out that they fucked up a little bit here. And I would be willing to kind of just brush it aside if it was something where it was like one little screw up here and the rest of it was fine. But the rest of it just really wasn't entertaining either. And there, and that, there wasn't the any point for too. it. Where Carmella's like, Daddy, 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 give me the brief. Yeah. <laughs> and Natalia's just kind of standing there waiting for Carmella to take it. I don't know if she didn't have confidence in her throw, like, didn't want to drop the briefcase, but it's just another weird moment because Carmella was clearly like, Natty, throw me the briefcase. And Natalia was just like, Yeah, you, why don't you come get it? <laughs> Yeah, that whole thing was just weird. This was easily my least favorite part of the whole night. And then, I'm going to be honest, the suspension of disbelief on Carmelo's finisher was real hard for me. Because it was just kind of a, a, not even like a super kick, just sort of like a push kick to the face. And I've seen Becky get up from a lot worse, so I was just kind of like, okay. Sure, whatever. They put Carmella over. I know where this is going. Well, doesn't she have some kind of a submission finisher? She did, me, but I'm guessing they don't want the baby faces to tap out, you know, because, like, it's not a very baby face thing to do. Hmm. 
Yeah, it should be fine. It's not like anybody gives a shit about this match, too. That's the other thing. Like, this isn't going to matter. Nobody's going to be like, I don't know if I'm going to watch WrestleMania after that match. You know, I, I really didn't want Becky to tap out, so I'm going to not check out that seven-hour, nine-hour, whatever show. Like, that's just oh, this was the worst part of the night, I thought. Real quick, what did you think about Becky's gear? I liked it. You did? I... Like, I'm cool with her doing the, you know, kind of old school look, but the design on the gear just, you know how I think it was, was it Wago who was bashing Rollins at the Rumble for his gear? Might have been. <laughs> that, that's how I felt. Like, it just seemed super Bush League for some reason, and I was just like, ah, I wasn't a fan of it, but... I thought that that was more flattering and better looking than when she comes out with like the, um, the greenish like shirt the, and the stuff. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that all that much. Like the the coat, I like, and like the goggles, I like that stuff. But a lot of her gear seems a little bit too like, I don't know, too bulky or something. So that streamlined singlet kind of look, I was like, all right, I can dig that, you know. Carmella's man, that was like how much tighter can that get? That's pretty good. <laughs> it, it, it fits her very well. Yeah. Um. Then we went into a match that I have to admit I thought was a little bit underwhelming. I expected it to be like a real fucking balls to the wall great match, but because they ran through it to get to what seemed yeah. like a seven minute after segment. Yeah, this really was. We just want the Bludgeon Brothers to come out and attack these two teams, which kind of called it. I'll have to admit, I can't give myself 100% credit because I did split it between the two, but I figured we'd get a no contest. And the Bludgeon Brothers coming out and attacking both teams accomplishes exactly what it needed to do. The New Day didn't lose this match, so they are kind of entitled to a title match. And the Bludgeon Brothers, they've worked their way into the feud now. You could do that triple threat. Bludgeon Brothers are the heels. The Usos in the New Day kind of take the babyface part, depending on where they are. Usos kind of more on the tweener side than the New Day would be. And I think that that's a guarantee we get new champions at WrestleMania. It's just a matter of who, you know? Uh, let me say, too, the the match for what it was was very good, even though it was, like, real quick, fast-paced. They told a, a story of, all right, we're just going to do you better than you do you and they just kept doing each other's signature moves it was a fun match and then the blood the bludgeon brothers came out and all fucking hell broke loose and they beat the crap out of these five guys yeah they looked strong and that's what needed to happen the first the first thing that came into my head honestly was i want wyatt to go back to smackdown and be with these two guys again because they looked like monsters. Did you think that heading into this kind of scenario, we've got the Usos, they're doing the whole thing with like respecting the New Day, the New Day respects the Usos, but they really want to, they just become champions and stuff like that. The Bludgeon Brothers are the type of team to me that I don't know if I really want them to win those tag titles. I don't think they will. I'm kind of hoping that they don't. It makes perfect sense if they do win because they are like the the beast monster crew, but I don't want them to win. I do only in the sense that they this is the third time they put them back together. Put the damn titles on them already. You know, like... They keep doing this thing where it's like Harper and Rowan are this great monster beast of a team and put the belts on them. I don't think it happens at WrestleMania because WrestleMania usually more often than not belongs to the baby faces. But this they can lose without having to lose in a triple threat scenario. Yeah, then they can kind of pick it up at the next pay-per-view and fight the New Day or fight the Usos in a regular tag team match and kind of go that way. But Can we talk about Woods? Yeah, the follow-up with Woods on this was that they were saying, like, well, you got taken to the hospital for some kind of thing or whatever, but um, I'm not quite sure where they're going to take that storyline. I'm assuming that's kind of the, even the odds. 
like, I don't know if he's legitimately hurt or if he's, I think maybe his wife is about to give birth if she hasn't already. Like, I don't know, but Woods, if he was acting, it was fantastic acting. He was twitching all over the place, looked like something serious happened to him. It was good stuff. So I don't know when this just got uh, posted or whatever. Apparently Jeff Hardy just uh, got arrested Saturday night. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to look up to see uh, some other information about another match that I was just going to talk about a little bit later on. And yeah, that, uh, that just happened. So, Like yesterday. Yeah. Hot tag tomorrow or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whenever we do it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow or Tuesday or whatever that way. Yeah. Oh God, Jeff. Uh, I don't see anything about the Woods situation being like that. He's got some kind of updated, uh, you know, like the like the pregnancy type of thing or something like that. I don't, I don't see anything they about that. They claim that he was going to the hospital for a spinal contusion, and I hate when they do things like that because you know, when you try to make a story out of it and then you stop a match mid-match for, like, a little cut, it just, it's very misleading. Multiple thoracic contusions. That's what they're labeling on WWE.com. And the fact that it's WWE.com means it's a storyline. Uh, but you never know that if they are masking a different, like, plan, you know, that kind of a thing. That's where it gets a little interesting. But, uh... I kind of think that maybe that's a good way to make it to where it's not two on two on three for the next couple of weeks. He'll be back right. at WrestleMania. You yeah. Know. He'll be back uh, at WrestleMania, not wrestling in the match, probably. Just yeah, doing, he'll be you know, on the outside with the trombone. Yep. I think that's how it'll, they'll end up playing that out. Um, but speaking of plans for WrestleMania, we know for a fact now that the WrestleMania plans for the women's championship on SmackDown is Charlotte Flair versus Asuka because we had Charlotte retain against Ruby Riot. In another very clunky match, by the way. Holy shit, there was a spot there where, like, I, I think she was supposed to do like a back body to the outside, and Ruby somehow threw herself onto the mid the middle rope like a six one nine position. Just a, just a really clunky night overall for SmackDown. Better match than the other one, but not great. You know. Yeah, it did warm me up to to riot a little bit more. I like the idea that he threw out the people on the ringside area. You know, like that's the way that it should be going down and stuff, but. I also just, I mean, it's the bad part of being a cynical person who analyzes shit for a living. All leading up to this for the past couple of weeks has been, here are the the possible scenarios of what they do with Charlotte Flair and the possible Oscar scenarios and blah, 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 blah. And they haven't announced anything on WWE.com, which means that it's pretty certain that Oscar is going to fight Charlotte and whatever. So it gets to a point when Asuka comes out and you were supposed to be like, what? Oh my God, I didn't see this coming. And it's like, all right, just, just fucking point to the sign already, you know? So for a while, like after the rumble and going through chamber and the first week after, they were adamant that Nia's going to get added. It'll be a triple threat. And Asuka needs to run through Alexa and all this. And then all of a sudden on Monday, they flipped gears totally, and Michael was like, "What will Asuka do?" And that's when I knew right away. I was like, "Okay, okay, she's going to Fastlane." And sure enough, she she did the whole pointing to the sign thing. Now I talked about this on the predictions. I don't like the idea of both Japanese contingents being on SmackDown. I just I think that. Right away, that says that one of them is going to lose, first of all. And I just, I don't think it's a smart thing to have on one brand. I will say, the total fantasy booking, I hope this leads to some point AJ and Charlotte versus Shinsuke and Asuka. Well, I kind of hope in that scenario that Shinsuke Nakamura loses that WWE title match. I think uh, Asuka will lose to a cashing in Huh. I think more more than anything that Asuka wins and then 
Carmella cashes in and Oscar beats her. But we'll we'll see what the next couple of weeks are to uh to kind of point into that. But one thing about this segment itself that I don't know if you noticed it. I know that when we were watching it in the basement, we were all laughing about it. Why was there like a competition of who can breathe heavier while pointing at the sign and stuff? <laughs> yeah. That was fucking weird. The, I can understand Charlotte kind of being out of breath. She just wrestled a match. Asuka came out and she was just kind of like, <gasps> and it was like, whoa, because I calm think down. It's a, like she's kind of, you know, creepy. Like she's the creepy girl that will kill you. will smile at you while she's doing it. Oh shit. Give her a paper bag. She's going to hyperventilate the way that she was doing that. Uh, that was weird, strange. The weirdest thing to me was that uh, maybe I'm so used to the way things work. I thought they would have Asuka facing the other direction so she wouldn't have to break her stare down and could point directly at the sign while she's staring down uh, Charlotte. Yeah, you would kind of think that it would be like, it would make more sense for Asuka to be pointing past Charlotte at the WrestleMania sign and Charlotte to like hold up the title being like, you're going to have to go through me to get to this at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's, that's what you know, and it did not. That's the framing aspect, but even if they would have done that and they still would have been breathing heavily, it still would have been weird. We have to talk about Byron's. Oh, wait, no, that was, I thought it was a snatch. We got to backtrack a little bit to the Bobby Roode, Randy Orton match. Byron Saxton called out Kevin Dunn. On oh, what did he say? I didn't catch that. So he wanted to see this replay of Randy hitting a, a suplex. and. They wouldn't show it, and he kept asking for it, and then he goes, Kevin, can you bring that back up and freeze it at Randy Orton's back? And there's silence for about three seconds, and then Graves goes, well, I guess Saxton's making the audio calls in the truck now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it was funny, because even, like, JR and Michael Cole, like, I never heard anyone go, hey, Kevin, pull this up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that was a really cool moment and i i think like they they had a few moments like that where you know the commentators were asking for specific replays and that might be a new thing that they're trying uh, i liked it you know yeah i didn't catch that because i'm usually you know talking and writing up the articles and stuff like that the commentary is one of the things i don't pay too much attention to but i i like that if that's what happened because it seems more realistic you know just hey kevin in the truck like you do your job, you truck monkey. Like that kind of thing. Like, did you see the uh, the free cam that was just kind of at ringside, just sitting on a tripod? It was just a free camera. Like, oh, was that that like triangular uh, weird thing that they had before? I didn't notice. Yeah, that. that's yeah. some kind of VR thing. Oh, okay. I didn't they know were that. testing that out at like some Monday Night Raw recently or something like that. I think I I looked it up and it was like yeah they're they're testing out like VR tech. I don't know why necessarily at Fastlane. You would think that they would try that at like live events and stuff, but I guess they just wanted to see what's going on and figured fuck it, it's a camera. People will be like oh another camera, you know. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's uh. That's nah. all the stuff that led up to the main event. Now, the main event was the six-pack challenge for the WWE Championship. AJ Styles going in as the champion. The challengers being, originally it was supposed to be one, then it was two, then it was three, then it was four, then it was five. <laughs> Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and John Cena. And they started this off with a bang. John Cena hitting an attitude adjustment on every single person except for AJ Styles. That, I thought that was kind of cool. That, oh, you didn't like it? It was, it was a good, like, it was a funny little, okay, yeah, but it clearly said the story of this match is John Cena, AJ Styles, fuck everybody else. Now, granted, I knew immediately that Kevin and Sammy were going to have a special spot because Shane McMahon was sitting ringside for this. But the way they started that, I just kind of felt like, it made AJ look like the only sensible one, okay? Because, all right, Sami Zayn is a little overzealous. He gets AA. Kevin sees his friend get AA'd. He runs in. He gets one. Everybody after that should have stopped running at this guy. It's like jumping at Randy Orton. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was just kind of like, oh, this is fun. Like he's just hitting his finisher a bunch of times, and 
if he would have hit it on AJ, I would have been fine with it. But AJ, like, feigning that he was going to run at him and then stopping because he's actually intelligent, this made me kind of feel like, all right, you kind of made the rest of the guys look like scrubs. But that's, <laughs> that's okay. Like, Well, that was something I actually liked about it. I liked the... Uh little spot with um tossing AJ finally getting that attitude adjustment onto the table. I yeah, like that. Yeah, the table. Thought that was cool. Barry I was kind of curious about something with the co- commentary tables though. Who decides that the German table gets ringside treatment while the other ones like Funaki and them are like, "Nah, you're up in the fucking upper decks." I think it, it depends on who they're trying to build partnerships with. I don't know. It's kind of a weird like do they do Rochambeau backstage or something like that? You know, like you would think it'd be English, Spanish, and I guess French. You know, like or maybe I guess Mandarin is their new thing. Why isn't Mandarin sitting ringside? Yeah, what would it be? Because you got it would definitely be English and Spanish would be two out of the three. And I guess I guess Mandarin because in the modern world that would be the third language, maybe even the second. But then again, if WWE is pop- more popular on a certain other platform like India, then it would be like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But I just, I thought it was weird that it was just kind of like, and then like the Germans, they get this tonight and it's just like, okay. <laughs> but uh, I like that spot. I really liked the inclusion of Kevin Owens uh, accidentally kicking Shane McMahon and him getting involved and stopping the pins and stuff like that, which that turns into something that we're going to address over the next couple of weeks and stuff, which there is a rumor going around the past couple of days that Dolph Ziggler would fight Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. There is no way that can happen now. Yeah. I see. I see Shane and Brian versus Kevin and Sammy. I'm thinking triple threat. Another triple threat. Yeah, I can't. Because there's no logical reason as to why the commissioner of SmackDown Live should be put in the triple threat match. One-on-one, if you have a personal vendetta, that's fine. But in a case like this, you know, just... just do the fact that they keep doing this Owens insane not getting along thing makes it seem to me like it's all right. Kevin wants to fight Sammy... Sammy wants to fight Kevin. Kevin wants to fight Shane. Shane wants to fight Sammy and Owens. Zane wants to fight Shane. Like so, it's like it's all three want to fight all three. But then at, on Talking Smack, you know, Shane again goes back to Daniel Bryan, and it's like, oh, see, so I didn't watch Talking Smack. Well, you know, I think Bryan is blinded by these guys, and he just wants to live vicariously through them because he wants to wrestle, and I'm like. All right, don't go there. Maybe he's a special guest referee. I, I thought about that too, but then, then you have to have him hit the knee or something. And if he hits the knee, then it's like, well, can he bump? You know, like they back themselves into these weird fucking corners, dude. I'm starting to think that that might be the scenario where they thought about potentially doing a tag team match, and then they said, you know what, we really just don't want to clear him. And I think that the page thing stopped them from that. And uh, we're going to get Owen, Zane, McMahon, Triple Threat, Daniel Bryan as a special guest referee. Because they did allow him to be the special guest referee for Mixed Match Challenge. So at the very least, they know that that's okay. And that's kind of how they get to figure out who gets the pin. Something happens. Owens maybe gets the pin on chain or something i don't know i think that's well, where what we do go you get at, what do you get out of that that's, you don't get anything that's the problem with it but i don't know i don't know i'll stick to my tag match idea like i feel like after what happened owen and zane can easily be like you know yeah we, you know we're better off fighting this common thread and then Shane needs a partner, and I really heavily thought for two seconds, I don't know, maybe Shane just teams with John Cena, but that would be such a waste of John. 
Well, the other thing too is if that's the case, and it seems like they're going in that direction a little bit, some kind of connection between Owens, Zane, and McMahon, possibly Brian too, then that rules out that whole rumor of the Ziggler and Shane thing, which didn't make any sense to me to begin with at first. But then I'm thinking, well, what if it is Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and they fight Dolph Ziggler and Shane McMahon? I thought about that as well. That still doesn't give Ziggler his singles match. Yeah. And that kind of sucks. And then I don't care to see that either. Like, that doesn't seem all that interesting to me. And if you don't get that, then what does Ziggler do at WrestleMania? You know, like, it's kind of. That's why I pitched the whole. You know, he gets in the U.S. title ladder match, even though that's not what he wants. Like, I, I feel like Ziggler, with with the stages that they're in, people won't like this match. But Ziggler versus Cena, with the stages that they're in, could make a lot of sense. It's just not a marquee position. Well, the whole Cena thing... Everybody's going, oh, that's got to be Undertaker. It doesn't necessarily need to be Undertaker. It doesn't. And, you know, if they were going to do Taker... Now, Callum mentioned doing a really cool open challenge deal. But if you do something like that and Taker shows up at, like, the last week or the second to last week, you just get mad because why didn't they build it up to begin with? They didn't need a lot of promo time. They could have just announced five, six weeks out, hey, John and Taker are fighting. And shown, you know, vignettes. They could have gotten away with that. I really fully expected, especially after the AA on the steps to Corbin. I thought it was going to be one, two, gong. Gong, lights up, phenomenal forearm, but it was not. In fact, Cena got laid out by Owens, and that was just it. Like, uh, uh, AJ pinned Owens, and it was whatever. See, I didn't expect Undertaker to interfere in this. I thought maybe he would pop up afterward, but I didn't think that he was going to be a good uh, guarantee to screw him. Because right now, John Cena doesn't have any kind of like personal vendetta with The Undertaker. He just kind of called him out and said, like, I kind of wanted a match with Undertaker, but it's not going to happen. Taker screwing Cena would be like, why are you being a dick? You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of like that sort of thing. But I do think tomorrow night on, or well, technically tonight on Raw, that they're going to do something where he just goes like, look, I lost this match. I lost that match. I lost that match. I'm panicking, man. I don't know what I'm going to do for WrestleMania. I really wish I could do that Undertaker match, like that kind of thing. Yeah, but so, I mean, then you run the risk of having John Cena look like a bitch and coming out <laughs> and like basically pleading and crying and begging for the spot. Which is fine if you're going to do something where he's kind of heel, but if you've got a guy who's doing the kids' choice awards and possibly hosting Blue's Clues, can he be a heel? You know? Yeah, well, it's tough because he can be a heel, but he doesn't. He can't be a heel heel. He can just be the one that you don't necessarily back because it's The Undertaker. And, you know, that's that's weird. But the bottom line they ended up needing to get done into this match was Styles needed to retain. Styles and Nakamura will have their dream match at WrestleMania, and it'll it'll probably be a little bit underwhelming, and oh, absolutely, a lot of people won't care because now they're doing this thing where they're blowing so much smoke with this match that you're almost bound to be underwhelmed. And then if you put it on the wrong spot on the card, if it goes on top of the first hour, like 7 going into 8, or even 8 going into 9, then people are upset because it's the WWE title and the guy who won the Rumble, and then we know we're definitely getting Roman in the end. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I hope to see some intensity build towards this matchup because the whole, okay, it's a dream match thing is cute, but it's not going to Sell WrestleMania. Hmm. Yeah, so that's the point of what Fastlane was supposed to be. Like, when push comes to shove, Fastlane is supposed to sell you WrestleMania. At the end of this, I feel the same as I did before. I'll admit I'm a little more intrigued because I thought what they would do... 
with Sammy and Kevin, I thought it was going to be as simple as Sammy said he was going to lay down for Kevin, goes to lay down for Kevin, and Shane stops it because it's the noble thing to do because, hey, you can't fuck these other, you know, four guys in this match. But no, Shane came across looking like a major dick for costing both Kevin and Sammy the WWE title. Uh, Sammy and Kevin started beating the shit out of each other. Kevin even tried to powerbomb on the apron. So I can't really see them being too friendly. So that confused me. John looked really disgruntled after his match. So I'm intrigued on where they go with him. And other than that, you know, we got Triple Threat for the SmackDown Tag Titles. Uh, AJ is going to fight Nakamura. Which should be good, maybe underwhelming. And that's really it. They're building a lot of this WrestleMania around everybody's panicking about possibly not being on the show. <laughs> Which, because even after Bobby lost and he, you know, he didn't turn heel, but he DDT'd Mahal, he DDT'd Randy, and they were like, Mahal, uh, Bobby is distraught that. He has lost the United States title, and we're only four weeks away from WrestleMania, and what does he do now? And it's like, it's such a weird thing to keep playing up the fact that nobody knows what they're doing at Mania. It's, it is strange, because it is multiple storylines. It's all across the board, pretty much, is what's going to happen at Mania as like a, a functional storyline is Brock Lesnar going to show up is uh, Dolph Ziggler going to get his singles match are the new day and the Usos going to get a match like the, the different things like that. So I don't know. Um, I guess they have these next couple of weeks to sell us on the things we're not sold on yet. And if not, then they're going to look at that and go, well, that's your WrestleMania either fucking like it or don't like <laughs> that kind of thing. But Fastlane is not the type of thing that made me go, wow. And it didn't make me uh, get more detracted, I guess you could say. So it's kind of a wash. <laughs> and that's not good enough in a lot of different ways. But could be worse. So if you're optimistic, then hey, the, uh, a couple things made me kind of a little bit curious. Like, oh, Randy Orton title win. Okay, neat. You know. But that's kind of it. As far as what I had to say about it, anything else you wanted to say? I'm gonna just echo your sentiment. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as terrible as I thought going into it, but it just left a lot of like scratching heads. You know what happens now, and not in a good way. Hmm. Well, what did you guys have to say about this? Make sure you leave your comments below and tell us what your thoughts were for Fastlane 2018. Whether you agreed with us, whether you disagreed with us. Or whether you want to tell us a recipe for your favorite cheesecake or whatever the fuck. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, cheesecake sounds so fucking good right It now. really is. I've seen like three different things today of like Oreo cheesecake cookie pie things and stuff. And I'm just like, God damn it. I want some cheesecake. That's why it's on my mind. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it for this. Everybody, uh, if you want to be aware of the next thing that's going to be posted on the channel, that's obviously going to be the hot tags. I don't know if we're going to be recording that Monday night or Tuesday in the afternoon or Tuesday night. Probably, I'm assuming, late Monday night or so. I don't know. Uh, it'll happen when it happens. Uh, this week, later on this week, is going to be the fantasy booking for WrestleMania 34. Well, I'll be telling you guys what I would do if somebody gave me the chance to go back to last year's WrestleMania and rebook a lot of different things. So you're going to see some matches that we're actually getting here, oddly enough. You're going to see some matches that we've already seen this year and the kind of preface of like, yeah, well, you wouldn't have seen it yet until now and like different things like that and a couple that we haven't seen at all. Uh, that's coming up though. And if you want to be aware of those things, the best thing to do is to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel and to ring the bell for notifications. But you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment. And you can check the SmartOutMoment.com website itself too, because things get posted on there no matter what it is. And I recently changed something on SmartOutMoment. So I'm curious if anybody sees anything different about this. Uh, I switched over to the HTTPS uh, more secure side of things. 
I'd never had a chance to do it before, and Blogger finally gave me the option for it. So Google fucked a couple things up in the process, because that's what Google does. And I think I've gotten everything to work right. Uh, I have actually... The AdSense thing is trying to penalize me for my WrestleMania 34 predictions. <laughs> They're trying to say that that has no valuable content on it. And I don't know what the, the deal is with that. Because they, they flagged it for the HTTP and the HTTPS. And I sent them a thing saying, can you request a, like, can I request a review? And they got back to me saying, yeah, one of them is okay and the other one isn't. It's the same exact page. There's literally no difference. So I don't know what's going on with that. But if you guys go on smartcatmoment.com and you see anything acting weird, maybe like the widget doesn't work right on the sidebar that says the recent posts, that was something I had to fix, or the slider on the homepage, or maybe the breakdown of like the posts that are in the homepage sections aren't the right things or something like that. Maybe the ads aren't loading correctly, anything like that. Let me know. Drop me a, an email with the feedback section of the contact form, because actually the contact form was something that wasn't working right at first. <laughs> had to fix that one. Uh, any kind of errors like that, just let me know, and that'll be really, really helpful. Same thing for fanboysanonymous.com. I had to change the same thing because the website's the same kind of basic uh, layout, but I think I might have fixed those as well. Um, follow the fanboy stuff at fanboys. You know what that is. And for myself, at Tony Mango... And for Robert at Dude Felice. Yes, Anything else you want sir. to toss out there? Um, you can follow at Pandemonium Mania. That's one word. P-A-N-D-E-M-O-N-I-U Mania. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, my blog. I'm trying to do... Uh, it's a little more personal than what we do here at Smart Moment. But it's me and a friend. We're trying to make this thing happen. Go ahead and follow that. Mostly follow me at Dude Felice. You know, interact with me. Give me something to do. And, <laughs> you know, I will be here for the hot tags when we're here. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, really appreciate all the support that you guys give out there. Uh, real quick mention about the Patreon as well. If you want to help support us with those things, patreon.com slash fanboysanonymous and patreon.com slash moment. Uh, plug yeah, the T Public, Tony. Tell them buy a T-shirt. You got some nice T-shirts. On yeah, T-Public. I haven't uploaded anything in a while for that. If you have any suggestions about it, um, yeah, let me know. I, I should probably add some more designs pretty soon. But there are some T-shirts. Uh, WWE takes them down every once in a while. I don't know why. Especially like the Eat Sleep Repeat. They're just kind of like, "Fuck you! You cannot sell that one." And I'm like, "It's just simple text. It's weird." Uh, yeah, if you want to show off that you want to vote for The Rock in 2020, that one sells a lot. That sells more than any other t-shirt that I have right now. It's like, I don't know why it's the number one seller. People just really love The Rock. And same thing for Fanboys Anonymous on there and A Mango Tees as well. Uh, Redbubble too. Those shop stuff's on smartcatmoment.com too. So you'll see that kind of stuff if you head over there. But that's it for the pay-per-view point for this one. And uh, we will see you next time, everybody. This has been another Smart Out Moment. We're being counted out.